Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show with the host that entered his awkward period at age 12 and has yet to come out. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you on a pre-recorded show, 100% pre-recorded, because right now I am in Las Vegas for the IPCPR. But on tonight's show, I'm going to touch a little bit on the IPCPR and then talk about a recent tobacco company merger slash uh, acquisition slash trade, just to give a little bit of industry background. My guest tonight is uh, pipe smoker and uh, jewelry maker artist Michael Johnson. And in the mailbag, I've got news for me, news on me for the mailbag. So not much mailbag because... I'm recording this on Wednesday, yeah, one day after last week's show, because on Thursday I left for Las Vegas. Uh, Music and a rant, all that coming up at the end of the show, and hey, by the time you're listening to this, I might have been attacked by Marilyn Monroe and uh, maybe tried out for uh, as an Elvis impersonator on the Las Vegas Strip. Uh, But anyway, I do want to mention, I want to go back to the Kansas City Pipe Show for a minute. Because I do want to mention who the winners were of the seven-day pipe set of billiards. They were Ryan Alden, who is coming up in a future episode, Tyler Beard, Premal Chetta, Rad Davis, Jesse Jones, and then uh, two pipe makers who we've had on the show before, Nate King and Colin Rigsby. Uh, The billiard shape, it was interesting to see how different interpretations of the billiard came out. Some of them were more uh, pot-shaped, I guess, but anyway. And from last week's show, you saw uh, Scotty Pearsall's entrance into the contest. All great pipes. It was a lot of fun looking at them. Looks like, looks like some of the pipe makers had a lot of fun trying to, trying to nail that shape dead on. But All right, everybody, so sit back. Relax, fire up a bowl, let's get this show going. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company, and here we go. This is Internet Radio. Cuba Joe's, a name you know, a name that you trust for all your tobacco needs. Exclusive pipes, pipe tobacco, accessories, pipe stands, and so much more. Cup of Joe's is the one place you can go and take care of every single one of your tobacco purchases. Fast shipping, friendly, professional service. One site, cupofjoes.com. And coming soon, their new line of smoking man pipes, cupofjoes.com. Quality products and extraordinary prices. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. 
Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs, comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. Welcome back. All right, I am in Las Vegas right now, and to give you all the an idea of how big the IPCPR is, uh, the International Premium Cigar and Pipe Retailers Association, the annual meeting or convention, takes up about 340,000 square feet of exhibit hall space at the Sands Expo Center in Las Vegas. For those of you that have been to the Chicago Pipe Show, the Mega Center, and this is data right off of their website, the Mega Center is 38,000 square feet. So the IPCPR's hall is 10 times the maximum size of the Mega Center. And that is just exhibit hall. The exhibit hall and all the booths in there, it's the world gathering for the non-Cuban cigar product. Now, about 90% of those booths are going to be filled up with cigar companies, cigar accessories, uh, anything that anything that a cigar shop might need. The pipe and pipe tobacco portion of it, about 8%, 5%. Then there's the hookahs and the e-cigarettes and the oddball gift guys. So it's not a, uh, a very significant pipe gathering, but it is the one place a year where retailers will go buy their Dunhills, buy their Costellos. Savinelli will sell a lot of wholesale pipes there. Uh, Brigham will be there. Peterson will be there. Again, it's more of the uh, the pipes that you're going to see in your traditional brick and mortars. Hardly any artisan grade pipes there. But again, just to give you a scale of size, the Mega Center in Chicago, 38,000 square feet. The Las Vegas, uh, the IPCPR in Las Vegas, 340,000 square feet. Now, to give you another little bit of a scale of size, uh, last week there was a merger announced. R.J. Reynolds, or Reynolds American, was going to buy Lorillard, makers of Newport cigarettes and the blue e-cigarettes. They agreed to buy Lorillard for 27 point something billion dollars. Okay, 27 point something billion with a B dollars. In that deal, they also agreed that for 7.1 or 0.2 billion dollars, Reynolds American would then sell the blue e-cigarettes, the Lorillard facilities and factory and the Winston and Salem and Cool brands of cigarettes to Imperial Tobacco of England. Now, Imperial Tobacco, you might know as uh, the owners of Altidus here in the United States. Now, what surprises me about this whole deal is if you look at it, uh, Winston Cigarettes is a bit of a global brand. There is distribution of it in Europe. I've seen it there. It's a discount brand over in Europe, so it's relatively popular. Uh, but at the end of the deal, R.J. Reynolds, or Reynolds American, is getting shelf space for their new e-cigarette that's coming up, and they are buying the Newport brand. So about 20 billion dollars for one brand of cigarette. 
Imperial Tobacco paying $7 billion for Winston, Salem, and Cool cigarettes in the U.S., and I'm assuming internationally, and they get the blue e-cigarettes. Now, the industry insiders that I've seen said that originally Lorillard had about 12% of the market and that Newport was about 7% on its own, so $20 billion for 7% of the market. That would indicate to me that Newport's a fairly significant brand. Uh, I think Imperial, just from what I know, and their Commonwealth Brands U.S. Cigarette subsidiary, got three really good brands for $7 billion. $7 billion with a B. Now, when you look at it in the big world, remember, manufactured cigarettes are probably now down to 90, 91%, 92% of tobacco revenues in the United States. And then you've got uh, chewing tobacco, and now the e-cigarettes are coming up. The e-cigarette market's estimated to be around $2 billion, but nobody really knows. Uh, anyway, these blue, the blue brand e-cigarette was reported to have 40% of that $2 billion market share. So anyway, here's billions with a B being tossed around, and the world's biggest pipe and tobacco collector show is in a 38,000-square-foot room. The cigar market is about 5% of the U.S. tobacco world, so maybe that's, I don't know, $4 billion, $5 billion, and that's in a 340,000-square-foot hall. Imagine how big the halls would have to be for the cigarette companies to all get their egos in there. Anyway, little tobacco industry background and uh, scale of size. And those of us that love our pipes and love our pipe tobaccos, we're, uh, we're a percentage of a percentage of a percentage. So food for thought for you. All right, in just a minute, my uh, visit with Michael Johnson. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Signore, signore, scusi per favore, but what is that intoxicating and delicious aroma coming from your pipe? Oh, uh, this is Molto Dolce, my all-time favorite blend from Sutliff Tobacco. Do you like it? I found it on SutliffMoltoDolce.com. Do you mind if I try? Oh, signore, this truly is Molto Dolce. So charming that you even speak my language as it is truly very sweet. <laughs> Just like you, I am sure. I can just taste the warm caramel and sweet dripping honey gushing through my mouth. Oh, and even better, the rich vanilla flavor plays so well with the other tastes over my tongue. It is like they are all having a giant playful pillow fight on smooth and silky sheets of tobacco in my mouth. Pure heaven! Mi piace moltissimo, mi amore. Can't you see it, signore? I can see it. I can see it. And signore... Best of all, no tongue bite. Grazie un milione for the pipe, signore. Hey! Satleft Tobacco Company will not be held responsible for any loss of one's favorite pipe customers may experience when smoking our delicious Malto Dolce blend in public. 
I am happy to welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show, pipe smoker, jewelry artist, silversmith, I don't know what else to call you, but Michael Johnson, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Now, let's start off with uh, where'd you where'd you grow up? Let's learn a little bit about you. Okay. I grew up in North Alabama um, in the Huntsville, Hartsville, Decatur area. Um on the Tennessee River. Um, my father had a jewelry store, so uh, I, I pretty much grew up around the jewelry trade, the jewelry business. My mother had a craft store. So between those two, I was around people. I, my idea when I grow up is, is not what I'm going to be, but what is it I'm going to make? <laughs> because uh, I, that was just the world I grew up in. And uh, about the time I started getting annoying playing with uh, matchbox cars, you know, my dad's workbench. He, uh, about eight years old, he put me to work in the shop. So, you know, I, I, I started off cleaning up castings as some of the first ways of you know, making money for, for allowances. Um, and then went from there to uh, art school because by the time I'd spent, you know, by the time I was 18 years old, graduated from high school, doing the same thing, sizing wings day after day, setting stones day after day, I thought, you know, there's got to be something more creative out there than this. So uh, I went and majored in art, and um, I actually, I taught at the University of Alabama for two years, and then went from there, uh, ran into Laura, and she's my girlfriend, and uh, she was teaching some classes in uh, jewelry making, and I thought, well, you know, I... I know how to do all of that, um, and actually, I can show you some other stuff. And from there, I just sort of rebuilt myself, uh, reinvented myself as a, uh, someone someone who not only made jewelry and worked in, on jewelry, but uh, you know, made art with it instead. I tried to integrate some of the things I had learned in art school with setting stones and non-metal. <laughs> When I first saw your work was when you sent us two absolutely gorgeous tampers for the JDRF auctions, and they had some, I, I guess those are gems in them that were just incredible. Uh, one of them changed color when you held it up to the light? Yes, that would be Lightning Ridge Opal, and uh, Lightning Ridge is an area, all the, all the opals from Australia are named after whatever desert region or, or, or space that, that the, the mines are located. And all the stones are, are characteristically different from those areas. And uh, some of the characteristics of Lightning Ridge is when you hold it up to light, uh, it can be various shades of, of color and having a, a found some of those Lightning Ridge that, that I made that tamper out of. Um, you know, I, I just wanted to, I, once, you know, the, a stone like that is something contemplative. When I when I smoke in my pipe, I like to either enjoy looking at and feeling my pipe, or uh, uh, taking my tamper out and kind of con you know something contemplative for those moments you find yourself smoking your pipe and nothing else to do. <laughs> now, is there a? Did you go through some training to learn about all these gems and special? I I don't know what else to call them. Special stones. Actually, gemstones, uh, opals would be a, a gemstone. Um, but I, having grown up in it, I just sort of, it was just like learning the alphabet for some other people with my father uh, because he was a, a gemologist also. And 
But that, you know, basically I learned about the, the regular stones, the stones you find in a, a jewelry store, a regular jewelry store where you go to pick out a wedding band or something like that. Uh, once I got back into it uh, about uh, 10 years ago, um, I wanted to learn about some of these other stones that were exotic. You don't necessarily find those in every jewelry store, like uh, Andamuka opals and uh, the other the other tamper had Andamuka opal in it. And... Uh, um, and some of the black opals and, and crystal opals and Brazilian opals and, and some other stones also that any stone basically that had some sort of characteristic with light, you know, changes in some way with light. Those things hold my interest because to me they're like holding little bits of magic, you know, a chip of magic or something because it just does, it's hard to believe that something like this comes out of the ground and forms naturally. Yeah, it's incredible stuff. And then you hand... Is that hand hammered silver that you that the rest of the dampers are made out of? Uh, yep, they're uh, forged. Uh, everything I do, um, you know, it's sort of like GLP. Gregory Pease limits himself to you know as much natural tobaccos as possible. I limit myself and what I do to just tools you could have found a couple of hundred years ago. Um, so the techniques that I'm using, um, I'm. You know, I, I, I could cast things and make it a lot cheaper and a lot a lot easier, but uh, um, I really like using those old-world techniques of forging and uh, fabricating by hand. Uh, my torch is, you know, I can, uh, it's, a, it's an old German torch that you actually use your breath to, to push the, uh, the flame with instead of having it hooked up to a, a, an oxygen tank. Um, things like that, I just... I, I like collecting old stuff, whether it's old pipes or old tools. <laughs> Speaking of pipes, when did you start smoking a pipe? Um, I started about three years ago. It, I was I was trying to ter- determine that the other day. Uh, uh, it, it, I keep saying a, a couple of years, but I've been saying a couple of years for about a year now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but when I first got into it, uh, there, there was this local RYO club, Roll Your Own Club, and I was smoking cigarettes, and uh, I had gone through you know, decades of trying to quit smoking cigarettes. I had tried tabs, the, the patches, the hypnosis. None of that seemed to seemed to work. So I was I was rolling my own because you could you could buy a, a pound of tobacco uh, and go to this little area in back behind the shop and put it in a machine, and it would shred it up and roll it in cigarettes for you, and. It, all in all, it made a you know it was like twenty five dollars for a carton of cigarettes once you once you had everything paid for. So it was a lot cheaper than buying a carton of already rolled cigarettes. And uh, so I was looking one day and thinking, you know, I could save myself an extra twenty fifteen twenty bucks if I just could smoke this without having to pay to roll that machine. And I was like looking at it and it said pipe tobacco on there. And I thought, well, um, you know, I kind of had an idea from talking to other people there that that. It wasn't really pipe tobacco, but I was thinking it was pipe tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, for the price of a for the price of a, a, a corn cob pipe, uh, I saved myself, you know, many more times having to go use the rolling machine. Uh, so I smoked that whole bag of RYO tobacco, <laughs> you know, tearing my my throat out <laughs> in the process and. Uh, I'm thinking the whole time, you know, I I, I have had I grew up with people smoking pipes. I, remember, I don't remember it seeming to be torture like this for them. Uh, so I, I finally went to a tobacconist and a, a pipe shop. We've got a very nice pipe shop 20 minutes away, the, the Briary. Um, 
And I just sort of went there and started buying real pipes. And, well, you know, of course, corn cob was real, but, I mean, better pipes and uh, uh, better tobaccos. And eventually got to, you know, weaning myself off of cigarettes. I was still having to kind of inhale a little bit every now and then. But as I started slowing down and really finding more enjoyment, slowing down my smoking pace, uh, I found that I didn't have to inhale. I could just put the pipe in my mouth during the day, work at the workbench or work in my garden, and just forget I've got a pipe there. I'm still enjoying the taste of it. I'm, you know, I'm still enjoying the tobacco, uh, but a pipe could last me a couple of, you know, an hour to an hour and a half, uh, you know, while I'm just not paying attention to it. And uh, I found I wasn't inhaling it anymore. And well, then I, I was a pipe smoker. <laughs> I I know Skip Elliott, who owns the Briary. What kind of tobaccos did he start you off on? Well, I, I didn't meet Skip right off. I met uh, some of the folks that worked for Skip, and I started on some aromatics. I bought some aromatics, and I really just, I, I mean, everyone enjoyed the smell of it around me, and I was thinking, you know, I, I, I was looking things up online and saying, you know, thinking there's other things out there, so... I went back in uh, and I talked to John, one of his employees, again, and uh, uh, he suggested some, uh, you know, Frog Morton blends. He was like, a lot of people are crazy about this. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I, I did enjoy the the Latakia at first, but then it got to where it was just so strong, and I just, I, I, I felt like I uh, had to take a shower right after because I just, you know, built a, a, a bonfire in the backyard or something. I felt like I'd been camping out all weekend, which is, which is fine, but. It just wasn't for me. So finally, when I when I went in and met Skip, he after talking to him for about 15 minutes, he knew uh, exactly what I needed to try. So uh, um, he got me started off on some uh, uh, Ashley's 109, and as soon as I tasted that, I knew that that's really all I was interested in was Virginias, and uh, uh, then later on Virginia uh, Virginia Perique's and. Lately, I've been trying a little bit of everything, trying some of the stuff I didn't like at first, just seeing if my taste had changed. Uh, but I think I still enjoy Virginias and, and Vapors a lot more. Uh, but yeah, it was a it was really nice to be able to go into a place and talk to somebody and say, you know, this is what I've tried, but this is what I didn't like about it, and have someone be able to you know respond with suggestions and ask me more questions. You know, it was a it was a it was a lot of fun. And I have to say, I, I uh, going to uh, the brewery the first time is so uh, kind of scary because I've, I'm just getting comfortable with the pipe. And there's all these men smoking pipes in there, and I want to light my pipe. But there was something so awkward uh, about lighting my pipe in front of people watching me do it, like, you know, am I doing this right? You know, am I <laughs> Are they going to laugh at me and how I light my pipe? Um, but then I found uh, after a while people were – People would ask me questions about what I'm doing because they were, uh, they were, you know, curious if they were doing something wrong. So I, I started feeling a little bit more comfortable uh, going there and actually smoking my pipe around people. Um, but anybody else out there that wants to go to a smoking lounge or a place like the Ferrari where you're smoking, any, you know, any no matter how long somebody's been smoking a pipe, they're going to be looking for something new that other people are doing. So you don't have to be scared about what you're doing either. You know, it's a um, you can learn just as much from somebody starting off as you can from somebody who's been doing it for years and years and years. We all, you may not have asked those same questions. We all started one time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Do you prefer a bent pipe or a straight pipe when you're working? When 
I'm working, I prefer a straight pipe. I tried vent pipes because the logic was, well, the smoke wouldn't be right in my face. I wouldn't have to see the pipe. And when I'm working on my bench, I have these magnifiers I wear on my head uh, that help me enlarge things while I'm working on very small stones. Uh, uh, so when you're wearing magnifiers, uh, you kind of get lost in where you are, and you've got this bench pin that's this thing mounted to the bench like a, like a, a stick of wood right at you. Um, and bit pipes, I wouldn't see them, so when I would turn my head, I was always smacking it on the bench pin or uh, knocking it out of my mouth. Uh, a couple of times, you, <laughs> I jabbed it into the back of my neck. Uh, um, so I, I decided I, I prefer a, a straight pipe so I can kind of see it out my line of sight, and I was less likely to whack it into something if I could actually see it and was aware that it was there. That's my excuse, too, because I know, <laughs> I know where the pipe is. <laughs> now, when you're when you're relaxing, or I know you you also uh, spend time walking the dogs. Oh, yeah. will, will you smoke a bent pipe then? Sometimes, yeah, yeah. Um, I've got I've got a few very nice bent pipes. Uh, some some of the old Savinelli dry system pipes. I like I like walking with those. Um, when I'm walking, I really just just whichever pipe is going to set the tobacco. That's more of what I'm concerned about. Um, there, I mean, I guess there are times when I, I go walking with my girlfriend and she likes these really big hats and, uh, scarves. Uh, so I kind of feel compelled to have something, uh, uh, you know, maybe a larger pipe you know, on some days when she's really loud, you know, when she's dressed really loud, I'll smoke a pipe that's really loud. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk more pipes and then some jewelry with Michael. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm not just a pipe smoker. I'm a Meerschaum pipe smoker. All of my pipes come from MeerschaumStore.com. They've been in business for 50 years, and I can trust that there will be no hassles. Orders are processed and shipped fast, and they have every shape you can imagine, including calabash, claws, dragons, horror, even a sexy series. MeerschaumStore.com, the most trusted Meerschaum store for 50 years. Meet Josh. Everyone at SmokingPipes.com holds customers as a high priority, but nobody interacts with them more personally than Josh. He's our professor of pipes, if you will. As a previous professor of history, educating the customer comes easily to him. He loves explaining the history of a particular pipe to a customer or coaching his customer service team. I love to help customers find that perfect piece for their collection. It's my job to make sure there's a smile on the other end of the line and I'm more than happy to be the one to put it there. And although Josh's job can sometimes be quite demanding, he doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why? Because I don't just sell pipes, I smoke them. Call us at 1-888-366-0345. That's 1-888-366-0345. Or check us out online at SmokingPipes.com. We are quality. We are experts. We are smokingpipes.com this is internet radio we are back on the pipes magazine radio show visiting with michael so michael besides making tampers um you do all kinds of jewelry and there's a ton of them on your website which is cosmicfolklore.com c-o-s-m-i-c-f-o-l-k-l-o-r-e.com uh, what are what are some of your most popular pieces? Um, well, rings. Rings is the most popular for me. That's not the thing I post the most of online. But uh, uh, 
mostly uh, wedding wedding bands and things like that because um, you know my other work really is to give them an idea of what I can do and a lot of times people will take a little bit of this that I've done here and ask me to do you know add a little bit of this to it you know so my my work online is sort of like a catalog of what I can do uh, and I I'm I about 90% of my sales are uh, custom-made uh, wedding bands that people want that you know they want something that they can't just find or you, know, you can't just walk into a mall jewelry store and, and pick up where do you find all these gems uh, gems well uh, I go to uh, which is like a pipe show for jewelers it's a, a gym gym show in Tucson uh, that's not where I pick up all of them but that's where I meet people that are in the trade miners uh, distributors, cutters, people that do cutting, those are the best to get to know. It's sort of like getting to know a pipe maker uh, because, you know, somebody you can ask for a certain specific size stone, a specific color stone, things like that. And uh, I do a little bit of cutting, but those guys that do the cutting, they're, 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 they're people that do it all day long every day, so they really know what they're doing. and They can make a better quality product than I can spend a week cutting and get done. <laughs> so do you... Uh... Backtrack for me a little bit. You go to the there's this gems gem show, and you go there, and you the the raw gems are there sitting out, and you pick out the ones you want. It's uh, they have tents the size of malls they set up, and uh, they're put on by different people will run different tents. Uh, and the entire town of Tucson, I I believe that is a large part of the the economy for that entire town. Um, because they spend uh, nearly a month having these shows. Uh, but you can go there and get everything from uh, museum-quality courts that's, you know, two stories tall. Uh, you know, for people that, that, that may want to uh, really something unique to go uh, in front of a large high-rise apartment in, in New York, you know, some, some artist is wanting to make a sculpture out of it. Um, they'll have everything from the raw stuff there that's really big and unusual to really rare um, then you've got tents that are full of people that, that are cutters and the things they've been working on and their specific styles are there on display. And then you've got jewelers that'll also go and show their work. Um, so you've got, you've got really the entire trade is there. Uh, anything that you can do with a gemstone or gemstone material, everything from making, uh, you know, uh, carving a perfume bottle out of it to, uh, uh to setting it in a ring uh, will be on display there. And it's just, and you get there and you meet up with people and they're like, well, about eight o'clock after I put, you know, pull this tent down, uh, you know, come back to the hotel room and I'll show you the good stuff. I can't, you know, <laughs> these guys, you've got, you know, all these people huddled around in, in hotel rooms looking at stuff being pulled out of suitcases. Uh, so you, in miners, uh, those are the most interesting because those guys are, you know, they, they get out there and wait around in alligator infested waters, you know, <laughs> for most of their their year when they're not there in Tucson. Uh, uh, so those guys are real cowboys out there uh, pulling in the stones and, and bringing them in for us. And those guys are great to get to know too because uh, you can get your hands on it before eight other people have made money all passing that stone down the line. <laughs> what is Give us an idea of what what's the most expensive piece you've done. The most expensive piece? Uh, would have to be a recent piece that I just finished up. It is a, it was 18 karat. It was almost a, it was a ring. It was almost a, it was almost an ounce of 18 karat gold. Uh, and he wanted it to be 16 millimeters wide. And he had a stone 
um, that was removed from a, uh, a prince, uh, not a prince, it's a wedding crown, a uh, Bavarian wedding crown, and it was this really large emerald, um, and it was just huge. Uh, just You could turn out the lights, and it was almost still glowing green. Uh, but that piece of the stone and the gold together is the most expensive thing I've ever done. <laughs> it was hard to leave it. It was hard to, to leave it. You know, I always wanted to keep it in my hands the entire time, so I was afraid, you know, this little bitty thing, if, it, if, if I can't find this little thing, it's, you know, that wipes me out. <laughs> <laughs> and on your Etsy store page, you've got some pendants that start out at $175 and some necklaces in the couple hundred dollar range. Yeah, I, I do a lot of work in silver, especially um, if it's something that I'm really just kind of wanting to show off what I can do. Uh, I might just experiment and play around and put some put some lesser valued materials together uh, and uh, uh, play and come up with something new. Uh, I've also got some necklaces that the entire thing has been fabricated and sculpted all the way around the neck. Um, that's, you know, it's about $700. Pieces, those are more fun to make because it's totally up to me. I just, you know, pick out whatever stone I want and I make whatever design I want um, or that I think people will like and um, and put it out there. It's, it's much more fun than a custom piece where I'm having to, uh, you know, I'm having to also meet somebody else's expectations. <laughs> that kind of puts a, a limit on you. <laughs> Just like just like commissioning a pipe from a pipe maker, I would imagine when somebody tells you what's in their head, then you've got to translate that to what can actually happen in reality. Exactly. And, you know, there's pipe makers out there doing the same thing. There's some that are just making pipes and selling them. They don't want to sell them themselves. They don't want to deal with customers. They just want to... All they want to do is, you know, make their pipes. And then you've got some, I believe Rad Davis is great at working with you on coming out with something original. And I believe he's almost, most of his work is, is, is custom work in that way. And he's just down the road from you there in Alabama <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, I, I haven't actually met him. I have actually at the bar, I've met a lot of pipe makers uh, um, that, have, that have come in to either talk to us or just happen to be there when I walk in. It's, it's been really really cool having that place down the road <laughs> now, can you explain the name cosmic folklore um when i was when i was opening up the business and i was needing to come up with a name it's, it's cosmic folklore studios um and at the time I, I was still doing paintings and sculptures uh, so i just kind of wanted something to kind of encompass the things i was interested in and i uh Folklores to me have always intrigued me. Uh, I think in college, I love taking classes uh, with people that that knew a lot more about these uh, old old stories and the significance of them for us. Uh, and then uh, the idea of cosmic uh, came from. I did a lot of things with spaceships and a lot of stones like planets. And uh, some of my earlier work, I had a lot of a uh, lot of spaceships and planets and things like that in, in my uh, in my work. And I, having grown up in just outside of uh, NASA and Huntsville, um, you know, I, I was always intrigued with going to see the space shuttle before it went up and uh, going to visit the museums there. So, uh, and and reading a lot of Ray Bradbury when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, just always intrigued with that sort of thing. So I just sort of put it together as a cosmic folklore studios, so that uh, it would kind of encompass everything I was doing at the time. And still, I'm not just making jewelry; I'm also making uh, eyewear frames. Uh, I 
was working with a local optometrist on uh, doing some custom work. It started off with somebody who needed some repairs done uh, to a, a really old pair of glasses. And then I realized, hey, they used to make these things out of silver and gold. You know, I, I remember my dad doing repairs on lighters uh, for people, um, anything that's made out of sterling. Uh, and uh, so I just said, well, I'll, I'll design some uh, iframes, too, and put them out there. And uh, that was really interesting, making something that, that – uh, wasn't wasn't jewelry. Uh, uh, then I started getting asked to make make to make other things such as uh, you know pins, and I uh, worked on a few lighters, and that's that's a lot of fun. It's neat doing something that's not not your everyday thing that runs across your workbench. I'm sure it'd be like asking a pipe maker to also can you make an ashtray? <laughs> <laughs> no, but everything I make ends up looking like an ashtray. <laughs> Uh, besides the pipe smoking, your dogs, and the jewelry work, I'm also impressed, and I've been following on Facebook, I've been following your garden. <laughs> the Cosmic Garden. The Cosmic yeah, Garden. Uh, <laughs> uh, when, I bought, when I bought the house here next to the shop, uh, I, uh, I, I was intrigued with the idea of having a few, uh, a few raised beds beds in the back. I'd been reading online about people growing their own food. Uh, I was tiring of hear, hearing people uh, complain about big agriculture and Montezano and all the chemicals and all that. I just said, well, I'm not going to complain about it. I'm just going to grow my own food and, and uh, recycle my own leaves and lawn clippings into dirt and, and fertilizer. And uh, it started with just a couple of beds with some tomatoes and some squash and things like that. Uh, now I've got the entire backyard uh, full of things such as uh, kiwi fruit, apricot trees, peach trees. <laughs> I grow uh, uh, I grow guava. Uh, I've got uh, uh, rows and rows of blueberries, uh, and I've tried to kind of set it up. You know, I'm, I like to make everything I do nice, you know. So it's like a it's like a little escape for me to go out there and smoke my pipe, pull some weeds. Um, I grow enough that. We don't have to buy any vegetables for my family, and we can everything back. Uh, I just I I love going and talk to my uh, grandmother about how she did it, uh, and and uh, you know she was able to feed everybody from the from the family garden, and I'm able to grow enough now that I can also take some things down to the farmers market, and that's another cool place to smoke your pipe because you're dealing with other farmers and you've got customers coming in, and you know it's it would I think. Having somebody smoking in front of them is just kind of the appeal of the the, the old country farmer, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and and the ash out of your pipe also works well as fertilizer. Yeah, yeah. I've got a few plants that are growing on some Lakeland blends that I had to dispose of. <laughs> <laughs> just don't mix the tobacco into the nightshades. And one last tobacco question for you, because we had Jim on recently. Have you played around or tried any aged Virginias versus newer stuff? Well, I've, you know, I, I've only been actually storing back tobaccos for about 10 months now. I, uh, and I picked that up from the forums, uh, listening in on, or, or reading in on conversations uh, going back and reading some blogs that are that were written by pipe smokers that uh, had suggestions on setting up a cellar, 
I, I do keep some back, but none of it's very old. I've been very lucky, though, uh, in going down to the brewery. Um, I, would, I would always ask, you know, do you have anything older? Do you know, is there anything dusty somewhere? That's <laughs> What's your oldest thing here? <laughs> what did nobody else like, uh, basically, is what I ended up with. And I have, had, I have come across uh, a, a few very interesting uh, old tins uh, uh, that I've been able to, to try. And um, uh, I pulled some, some, uh, some, some of the GLP Fog Cities out of a, an old box in the, in, in the back closet uh, that, that was... Uh, that was really good. Uh, some, you know, some stuff going back to 12 years. I'll have to say, you know, it's not, you know, your expectations. You're thinking, you know, you're packing a bowl full of 12 year old, you know, something or another, and, and you know, this has got, this has got to be great. It's different. I think I do like it. I, I don't think it's not your socks off, wonderful like I was expecting. Like it was just going to be pure sugar crystals hitting my tongue or something. Um, but I, I think it's a, it, it's, it's kept me interested enough that I think that it's worth doing. Uh, I, I, I look forward to trying some blends that may have bit me a little bit at first. I want to see how Virginia one does, uh, the McBaron's Virginia number one does with a, a few years on it. So I'm willing to put those back and wait on it. I, I've, I've not, I don't have a vast collection yet that I can pull from and say, you know, here's my three-year-old this or that. <laughs> but one day I will. One day I will. <laughs> but you are building it up slowly. I am, I am, you know, and I, I was spending over three hundred dollars a month on cigarettes. So when I, when I went to pipes, I thought, well, this is going to be expensive, especially when I saw how much pipes were. Some, you know, the pipes I really wanted were going to cost. So I thought, well, you know, it's still cheaper than a month's worth of cigarettes. Uh, you know, it's or, or I can save up for a couple of months and get this. I'll never own a Lamborghini or a Ferrari. I, you know, I've just. <laughs> I, I, the, the idea of ever owning a luxury car like that is just beyond me at this point. Uh, but I can save up and buy the Lamborghini of pipes. You know, I, you know that that I can reach. I can I can spend you know a, a lot more than I um, you know and get the top end pipes. And, and then I, then when I built up a rotation, I said, well, I'm just going to start setting back three hundred dollars a month on tobacco. That way. Uh, whether you know whether it's been taxed in the submission or whatever should possibly you know heaven forbid you know ever happen uh you know i'll at least be able to smoke for a few years <laughs> so let me you said you did say three hundred dollars a month on cigarettes yes yes and you know that's a good that's a good five pounds or so of some bulk blends uh and that's a good uh, 20 tens of something or another too, you know, so that, uh, I think I'm getting a good start. <laughs> that, that's a lot of cigarettes. Well, well, you take into consideration how much a carton of, you know, a carton of cigarettes costs nowadays. Uh, yeah. I was smoking camel lights and, and, you know, sucking those things down. Uh, <laughs> you know, and you, you could, after smoking three hundred dollars worth of cigarettes, uh, you're left with a big pile of garbage. You know, after smoking a three hundred dollar pipe, I've got a really nice pipe. <laughs> we'll wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. What's your favorite pipe? My favorite pipe is a antique Hilson Belgian made. It's a it's a stacked double. And we know the answer, but what's your favorite tobacco? Uh, Ashley's 109. <laughs> and what is your favorite drink? 
uh, apricot juice. And that's got to be a first. Uh, <laughs> when it's time to relax, is it a book, a movie, or music? Uh, music, music. Any particular genre? I listen to uh, I listen to a lot of jazz. Uh, I I have bluegrass. Uh, we have a lot of bluegrass festivals and jazz festivals here in town. So I I, I, I you know I listen to a little bit of everything. <laughs> and finally, any particularly favorite pipe smoking memory? Every time I light my pipe is a good memory. <laughs> so all day long. All day long. <laughs> This makes everything better. <laughs> and specifically for your girlfriend, Laura, who's listening, uh, tonight's music is picked out specifically for her because she worked at Disney World. I worked at Disneyland, so I found a piece of music just for the just for the two of us, and if nobody else likes it, we won't care. <laughs> well, she'll be tickled. <laughs> That's great. Check out Michael's website, CosmicFolklore.com. You can find him on Facebook or on the forums as Cosmic Folklore. And thank you, thank you. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back in just a minute. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. The year was 1849. Zachary Taylor was sworn in as the 12th president of the United States. The U.S. flag remained fixed at 30 stars. Edgar Allan Poe was found dead in Baltimore. Congressman Abraham Lincoln patented a buoying device, the only patent ever filed by a future president. William Bond was the first person to photograph the moon through a telescope. And gold was discovered in far-off California. And in that same year, also in California, Henry Sutliff founded his small tobacco company in San Francisco, founded on the principles of giving the public superior tobacco products for those with very discriminating tastes. Now, 165 years later, that tradition continues. Sutliff Tobacco Company has been setting the standard for pipe tobacco ever since. Take a quiz on our website to have the perfect blend suggestion for your tastes. Or just browse around to explore all of the wide variety of fine products America's oldest pipe tobacco company has to offer. Lots of things have changed since 1849, but Sutliff Tobacco Company's commitment to making the finest pipe tobacco on earth has not. Visit Sutliff-Tobacco.com. For information on where you can find all of your favorite blends, from the sweetest aromatics to the richest English mixtures. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show. I want to thank Michael for his time and thank him again for donating to the JDRF auctions. If you want a great looking tamper or you need to pick up a piece of jewelry, CosmicFolklore.com. Check out Michael's stuff. Talk to him. See what he can do for you. Anyway, great looking stuff. And for music, Michael's girlfriend and I both worked for Disney at different times. And our friend Dino sent me a uh, wonderful CD full of different variations of Disney music. Uh, this one in particular is When You Wish Upon a Star in the style of 
Ricard Strauss. And let me tell you, I think it is quickly becoming my favorite version of this, except for, of course, the original one. But anyway, I hope you enjoy it. It has nothing to do with pipe smoking, except I enjoy it, and I'm sure Laura will too.
don't like that, you're either one of those evil Disney haters or you have no conscience whatsoever. Either way, I like it, so if you didn't like it, bite me. Three little words. You got mail. In a minute, the news about me, but in the meantime, a couple of things from last week's show with Scotty. Uh, first of all, she posted under the uh, under the forum listing for the July 15th show, she posted a picture from her shark dive, and that's one big fish right in front of her. So go check that out on pipesmagazine.com. Also, Riff Raff wrote, I love the pipe parts segment about Preb and Home. I've heard a lot about his pipes, but never had the opportunity to get one. After hearing the history, I'll have to make it a priority to get one. Could that be that effect of prices going up the minute I mentioned something? I don't know, but anyway, grab them quick. Uh, the, he goes on to say, the interview with Scotty was interesting. I love hearing about up-and-coming pipe makers and hearing how they got started. She seems like she is a busy gal. It is refreshing to see newer pipe makers creating pipes in the classical shapes. There's just something about a straight billiard that is enticing. Uh, that is that is a beauty of this show. Information about the long history of manufacturers and the introduction of new artisans and the common that the and the common pipe smoker may have never heard of before. I guess that is why I need to drag my sorry butt to a pipe show. Yes, Riff Raff Bill, I will say that everybody everybody needs to get to a pipe show. Get to a pipe show as soon as you can. You get to meet all these wonderful people in person and see all these wonderful pipes in person and try all these wonderful tobaccos in person. Uh, let's see, Pipe Stud said, did I mention that Scotty is brave too? Uh, that's coming from a chicken, uh, liver-hearted chicken uh, from Texas, anyway. Uh, John Seiler says, it's Tuesday and I remembered to tune into the podcast. Thank you, John. He said, great story on the history of Previn Home. Scotty Pearsall is a carver of which I have zero knowledge. I enjoyed her story on her path into pipe making. I wish I had her skills, but when it comes to making a pipe... I'm all thumbs. I agree with the magic in McCraney's Red Ribbon. It's great. Nice interview. Interesting pipe carver. Uh, Chet Adkins and Les Paul, two guitar greats. I knew he'd like that one. Uh, Dino says, an absolutely delightful conversation. Scotty is amazing, and her work in classical shapes is outstanding. Love, Chester and Lester. One of my favorite albums. I went to grammar school with Les's son, Gene, who is a celebrated recording mastering engineer. Of the hundreds of albums he's worked on, dozens have been nominated, and nine albums have won Grammys. I thoroughly enjoyed your rather wry rant. Yeah. And uh, Fox 520 says, Scotty Pearsall was great and down-to-earth. I was glad to hear that she prefers the classic shapes. Also, Chet Adkins and Les Paul version of Moonglow was great. All right, more mailbag next week when I'm actually back here. In the meantime, here is the big news. Here is the big news. Um, I don't know how else to explain this except to say that myself, along with all of the fine Brigham products are being merged into and going to be distributed by the Sutliff Tobacco Company. Yeah, I will be going to work for the Sutliff Tobacco Company, representing Sutliff, McBaron, and all the Brigham products that I've had for the past three and a half years. I will be the new national sales manager for 
the Sutliff, McBaron, Brigham, and we're looking at picking up a couple of other items. So basically the same job, uh, just a whole bunch more tobacco thrown in there and some other doodads, and we'll pick up a few more sales reps too. So a little bit more traveling. I knew this was coming up. This is the big reason for the move to Tuesdays because there will be a lot of Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday trips coming up soon. So there you go, right there on the Pipes Magazine radio show. You're the first ones to hear it. Actually, it'll be announced at the trade show on the Sunday before this show goes out, but you're the first ones in the public to hear it. So I want you all to hear it first. Uh, also, if you are not, follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Facebook, Brian Levine. I'll keep updating all my travel stuff, but you would have seen where I posted last week that Missouri Meerschaum pipes were handed out to the morning crew on the Today Show. So Matt Lauer and the gang uh, got some Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipes handed to them by, a, as they said, a lady from Washington, Missouri. Handed out the pipes, and Al Roker stuck a pipe in his mouth, and it looks like he knew exactly what he was doing with it. He held it in there clenched, so check out my Facebook page. You'll see uh, pictures of Al Roker holding the pipe in his mouth. And then uh, a few minutes later, when they went back to the studio, and they were back inside, there was a couple of corncob pipes sitting on the table. So those pipes made it all the way off the, uh, whatever that little uh, that plaza thing is, and came inside. So maybe the uh, Today Show crew going to turn into pipe smokers? Eh, I doubt it. But anyway, rant time next. This is Internet Radio. Eck, I wish I had a genie who could make it easy to order pipes and tobaccos online. You don't need a genie, sir. Visit fournoggins.com. They stock all your favorite pipes and tobaccos, and every order gets fast personal attention. Orders are packed carefully and shipped quickly by priority mail. Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com. I can still see you, you know. A bit rusty, sir. Fournoggins.com. The Carolinas and the tobacco tradition have been woven together generation after generation. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the coastal low country, it's an integral part of our culture and heritage, building our beautiful tapestry. Cornell and Deal is proud to blend our pipe tobaccos in the Carolinas. Our history with tobacco dates back to the mid-1800s, and in that time we've perfected a variety of blends. The Carolinas have given us the perfect backdrop to do just that. Whether you're a fan of the rich Virginias, bold Latakias, spicy Periques, or unique aromatics, we've got a tobacco that's just right for your discerning taste buds. At Cornell and Deal, we live all things pipe tobacco, blending it, smoking it, and enjoying the company of those who share our excitement. Tobacco, it's what we do. Stop by CornellAndDeal.com. Hey, how you doing? I sliced along here. Don't be stupid and tune into some other radio show to tell you about tobacco and smoke this and smoke that. Uh, talk to the Pipes Tobacco Radio Show. What is it called again? Pipes Magazine. Radio. Pipes Magazine Radio Show. That's what I listen to all the time, but I just can't remember it. That's all. Cowboy. Cowboy.
So I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it before that I'm on the Homeowners Association board for our neighborhood. For those of you that don't know what a Homeowners Association is, it's five members of the 289 houses in our neighborhood that are elected to handle the business of the neighborhood. We uh, manage the the landscaping in the uh, in the in the common areas. We manage the yeah. We we basically work as what would normally go on in an apartment complex. We take care of just the public areas, and we make sure that all the homeowners are keeping all their houses up to date and everything looks neat and tidy because it, we're supposed to look like the Stepford Wives in that neighborhood. But anyway, I'm on the board, and the board holds uh, twice a year holds open meetings where any member can, anybody in the neighborhood can come by and stop by. Now, here it is: our house, our neighborhood is 289 single-family houses. We each have our own front yard. We each have our own backyard. We each have our own house, driveway, sidewalk, and everything. And we we as a we control that. One of the members suggested to us. Because he has a problem with people in the with uh, neighbors of his or dogs in the neighborhood coming and pooping on his front yard or in his backyard, that we create a dog park. Now I'm sitting there thinking to myself, a dog park. First of all, wait a second. These people that would, if they're walking their dogs to the uh, over to the dog park, they're supposed to pick up the poop anyway. So these are obviously dogs that are not being walked on a leash. These are dogs that are running loose in the neighborhood, which happens occasionally. Or they're very big cats, which they're running all over the place occasionally. Or it could be wildlife, because we live backed up into a little forest area, and occasionally we get a little fox or something or a deer come through the neighborhood. Well, wait a second. My thought was, everybody's got their own dog park it's your backyard no we're not going to spend the community's money to build a dog park so you want to walk your dog walk your dog you want your dog to poop put him in the backyard all right there you go uh next week tuesday 8 p.m eastern time i will be back here and i will update you on what happened in las vegas i should also have an update on the current fda deal because we'll be hearing about that while i'm in las vegas and hopefully i'll post some pictures of me doing some stuff and just to aggravate kevin i'll post some pictures of food just to torture him with some of the meals that i'm having So with all that being said, thank you to Michael Johnson for visiting with me. Uh, Thank you all for tuning in. Please, if you get a chance, leave us ratings or reviews on iTunes or Stitcher or Podcaster or wherever you can leave a rating or review, just do it. Or just lie and rate and review it everywhere. Uh, And thank you to the fine folks at the Sutliff Tobacco Company. And until next time... Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just Sing a song and think about sunny weather.
Celebrity voices are impersonated. Are you quite sure? 